Hello and welcome to the Joyful Doctor podcast. My name is Dr Caroline Walker and I'm a psychiatrist and a specialist in doctor's well-being. Uh, These next few podcasts are going to be a special series of podcasts in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, looking at lots of different ways that we can support ourselves as doctors um, out there struggling through this, um, these challenging times. So please, if you find these um, podcasts helpful, please do spread them far and wide uh, to your doctor colleagues and to other healthcare professionals or in fact anyone you think might be helped by them. Thank you for being here, thank you for listening. Welcome to this latest edition of the Joyful Doctor podcast. I'm really, really thrilled to have with me today, Dr. Sarah Golding. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Caroline. Hi, thank you so much for joining us and to talk all about burnout and, and yeah, some of the struggles that we have had as doctors and many, many doctors struggle with. Um, I always start off by asking my guests um, what it means to you to be a joyful doctor. Perhaps you could let us know a little bit about yourself and then, yeah, what, what does it mean to you to be a joyful doctor? Yeah, well, I'm an NHS GP with a portfolio career. I'm a coach. I'm a head of coaching at the Joyful Doctor with you. I'm also a GP mentor and appraiser and as of today a TPD for training GPs. Um, But I'm particularly passionate about supporting doctors. Um, In terms of what, what does being a Joyful Doctor mean to me? It means being joyful in and out of work, your whole person, um, not just that doctor label and that mantle that we put on um, and being fulfilled, I think, in and out of work. Mm, yeah, that's a biggie for me, that the meaning side of it, like doing something that actually is meaningful to us. I just don't think many doctors actually, certainly I'm not motivated by, you know, the prestige or the money or anything like that. It's really about, yeah, doing something with your life that, that you enjoy, that matters to you. That's right. I think it's, I think it's, you know, I've been a doctor for 20 years now and I think it's taken a long time to sort of step out of this kind of self-proclaimed hero role and being on a pedestal and what do you think it means to be a doctor and these feelings of societal obligations being put on a pedestal by people Um, the need to be semi-permanently on call in case there are issues with friends, family, people online, Um, and that the doctor is the most important thing about you, Mm. whereas actually it's a facet of my life, um, but really I'd love me to be the most important thing about me. You know, what do I mean to other people? How do I make them feel? You know, that that expression about people don't remember what you say to them, they remember how you make them feel. I think that that really strikes me, particularly as time goes by, um, which makes me sound ancient. (laughs) (laughs) But I think particularly when you've been through harder times, Mm. it it makes you reflect more because I think being a doctor can take a lot from you. And I think it's really important to look at why are you doing it? What are you getting from it? What does it demand of you at times? And is that something that you're willing to give 
Mm. As well as how does that fit, as you said, with your broader values and interests and loves and that, you know, when we start off as doctors, we're 20 something. We've got usually no dependence. We've got usually nothing else. And all we're doing is kind of rushing towards the goal of I must pass my exams. I must get the job that I aim for. I must then get to the top of my career mm. um, because that's what we see everybody around us doing. Mm. Um, and I think I'm certainly seeing both in my mentoring and the appraising and particularly in coaching, seeing people just getting to the, what they perceived as the top and then going, oh, mm. is this it? Or actually I'm not very happy. I, I pushed myself to get here and it's not what I thought it was going to be. Or I'm so used to having to jump through the hoops. What do I do without the hoops? Um, and how does that balance with the rest of my life? I might have a family. I might have other interests. I might have other obligations as a carer. Um, it's far more complex than it was when we started off. And I think just taking that time to have a think is so, so important to work out where you want that balance to be. Mm. And you you touched on there about times when you perhaps haven't been so joyful. Would you share mm. mind sharing with us perhaps one of those times? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I'm I think has really got me into being a coach and a mentor is that I was a GP partner a few years back for several years, and alongside that I was doing family planning, I was doing appraisals. Mm -hmm. For a while, I was also doing being a program director of GP training, had two small kids. Um, and gradually, I kind of in, I, I took that on because I felt like partnership was the thing that I should do. It's the most visible sign of success in general practice, because, you know, that's where you get to. What do you aim for? You get trained to be ambitious. So I went for that. I found a practice that I thought this is a great fit. It fits with my values, lovely bunch of people. And just gradually, for lots of reasons, um, I found that I was just dreading going to work. And my husband would say to me, how bad can it be? You've only got couple of days because it was I was working part-time job share mm. and then the weekend and I thought yeah yeah that's right and I thought I really shouldn't have to feel that way and I would go into work really early I wouldn't see my children spend all day they'd been bed by the time I got home and I would be so exhausted that I actually couldn't speak for a couple of hours mm. and I was finding that increasingly I was doing these distraction because I just ran out of energy, you know, doing your admin at 7.30 at night. Mm -hmm. Couldn't concentrate on making what were really quite basic decisions about blood tests. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would distract myself by, oh, well, I'll quickly check the news, I'll have a look at it. And so I was becoming less and less efficient. And then this kind of black humour that we often have as medics. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of the things that I really loved about my, my, my colleagues is that we all have that sort of sense of camaraderie and humour, but I wasn't seeing my colleagues. Mm. You know, we were sitting in our rooms. There, unfortunately, there were issues which meant that two of my partners were off off ill, so suddenly we were very short of people. And there was just 
it was getting to the point where I was getting so cynical and bitter about everything that I was struggling to be compassionate towards patients. Mm. But the compassion towards myself, I hadn't realized yeah. completely gone. Mm. And this all built to a head and eventually I decided that I just wasn't happy and with great shame and guilt mm -hmm. for feeling like I couldn't tough it out, mm -hmm. or that I wasn't a good enough, more efficient doctor, I resigned my partnership without having a plan because while I was there, I was a partner. That was my identity. Mm. Um, and I hadn't realized that I was really quite unwell. Mm. And I vividly remember standing at the school gates and I'm, I'm a real extrovert. I love being around people. I'm, I'm jolly. I'm funny. Mm. I love sparking off other people. And I was sh shaking at the school gates, mm. wanting the world to swallow me up, mm. not wanting to talk to anybody. And then I would go home and eat three bars of chocolate and sit on the sofa watching catfish all day. Mm -hmm. It was just, and even the stuff that I enjoyed doing before, I didn't enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So I referred myself to the practitioner health program and it was the best thing I could have done. Partly because I didn't want the shame of going to the GP who I knew. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to see this fantastic counsellor who said to me, well, yeah, you know, burnout's really common. And I said, you think I'm burnt out? <laughs> and I just, I couldn't, the penny dropped. Yeah. But it took about three weeks for the penny to drop. So I went home and did the googly thing. Yeah. Did one of those questionnaires and went, oh my God. Right. Okay. Is this even a thing? I thought it was kind of a made up thing for when people were just really tired. And I just went, oh yeah, that is me. And it took, it took, I think weeks for me to really process that that was really happening to me because I felt really embarrassed that even though I was part-time this had happened to me and you know I saw plenty of people that that wasn't happening to and why am I so pathetic that it happens to me I, you know I was really hard on myself and um, and I had a few months off and um, and gradually kind of just a lot of rest and recuperation and just trying a bit kindness to myself mm. and unpicking why it had happened. You know, what were the things about the way I'd been working, the environment I was in was so hard for me, you know, what, and that really helped and a bit of time and distance to be able to stand away from it. Cause I think when you're in it, mm. you know, that whole thing about when you're, the person who has themselves for a doctor has a fool for a physician. You know, you just cannot see clearly, can you? And no. I had no idea. I thought I'll just push on through. Yeah. And I thank you so, so much for sharing that so openly and vividly. And because I know that that story will resonate with thousands of doctors mm. out there at the moment. So, um, yeah i mean just just that how you described how we keep pushing through oh it's just another couple of days or it's just another couple of weeks until the holiday or um you know we just keep going until we can't keep going anymore and 
and I, I'm really glad you brought up the feeling of shame as well and embarrassment because I see that a lot in doctors, that kind of idea that somehow there's something really wrong with us if we can't cope with this, if we're not, we're somehow weak or um, when actually it really isn't like that. It's just like an illness, right? Like any other, like yeah. kind of breaking your leg or having diabetes or yeah. And, and yeah. But the shame that we come comes with it is so powerful. And so that's why services like the practitioner health program are so helpful because it often helps doctors to have a space they can go that is that little bit more confidential that they feel safer they know it you know they're seeing one or two thousand doctors a year at the moment so um yeah i think i felt that only people that were working you know full-time in itu or a and e full-time partners yeah they're probably deserving of it um and of course, now I know completely differently. And actually, I'm, that's what's really fired up my passion for supporting doctors and helping them just understand that more so that they can pick it up. And I didn't see the warning signs. You know, I'd been, I'd, I'd been ignoring them or just taking it as the norm because I could see signs of it in my colleagues all around. And so we were all struggling. Yeah, yeah. Horrible winter time you go oh well it's winter we've got to meet our yeah and, and I'm thinking this winter it's kind of even worse isn't there with COVID around and you mentioned about how you weren't seeing your colleagues and what an important part that was of it for you that you were isolated and I was just thinking about all those doctors at the moment who aren't seeing their colleagues because they're in their own room or they're not doing the you know they're socially distancing from one another in the workplace or they're working from home and and the impact that must be having you know for us as clinicians to feel that little bit more isolated than normal absolutely and i think it's just that recognition that when you see each other and it doesn't even have to be talking about Mm. how you're struggling it can just be that contact with humanity and remind you that sometimes you're not just a doctor because it really weighs heavily the responsibilities the decisions we're having to make in a very strapped system right now I, I know that's causing people an awful lot of stress and they're really tired by it. And I think there's a lot of um, fear and worry about how things are going to be. And sometimes all you want to do is have a gossip about some reality TV show yeah. and have a giggle for five minutes and just talk about, you know, the Great British Bake Off or some nonsense yeah. um, to remind you that you're something other than that. Also, the person making important decisions or firefighting on the front line. Um, that's the other thing that struck me listening to your story was that the things that helped you get better weren't particularly fancy interventions they were things like time yeah rest kindness Mm. connection to people around you you know it wasn't yeah it's that and I think as medics we're so good at um working in our head aren't we there must be a logical way out of this. And if yep. I do the thought work yep. and I do the <laughs> study, I'll be better um, by Monday. <laughs> I will get the results I want and I'm yep. sure I can work my, because that's how we're taught and we're self-selecting and we're quite often perfectionist A-types mm-hmm. um, to our own detriment. And then we see other people doing the same around us and we think it's normal, don't we? And I think there's just this, I think we can forget about this whole other side of ourselves that isn't a doctor Mm. and how we connect to just the humanity and the you know the things that you that bring you peace and happiness 
and giggles and silliness you know just yeah often them. the first things to go aren't they when we're struggling a little right yeah the first thing we need to put back in yeah I remember when I one of the first times I went off um ill it was kind of a probably a mixture of burnout depression and some untreated alcoholism and I I just remember yeah one of my colleagues saying to me you know burnout is a serious thing it takes time you know it isn't just something you can just don't know pop a pill or um you know take a week a week off or you know it just doesn't work like that you know we have to give ourselves space and yeah and get help actually and i think that's the other thing i see doctors doing all the time that they um they try and do things on their own they try and fix it on their own they try and go okay i, I can do this right i'm a competent capable you know intelligent person i've achieved great things i can do this i can get myself better i can get myself out of this and and what we end up doing is we keep digging we keep digging into the hole and we keep getting deeper and deeper into that hole until and then a fr somebody comes along you know a friend or a colleague who just pops a ladder down in the hole and says <laughs> maybe you know maybe <laughs> drop the spade maybe stop digging here you go here's the way out um, yeah this fantastic counsellor i saw said to me um and i think she sees quite a lot of colleagues with burnout and she said it's like trying to turn the direction of a huge tanker in the ocean yes. and yeah. it's hugely heavy and you can't just flip it around like a speedboat yeah. it has to keep moving forwards and yeah. steer away from the direction it was going and it takes time and i think i think the other thing about burnout is that it's not really understood by the general population you know mostly you understand it because you have experience of it mm. or you've read about it in a medical journal or you know the bmj or whatever um and i think it's very poorly understood so i think people understand things like panic disorder anxiety depression mm. addictions i think trying to i found it very hard finding the words to explain to friends and family what that was and i found myself sending them you know newspaper articles or articles yeah. I found online to go this is a thing yeah. um, well often as well it has that um phrase attached to it just a bit burnt out and actually i just don't think there is such a thing as being a bit burnt out actually i think if you're truly burnt out if you've got burnout syndrome it's a really quite a profound long-term condition that takes as say time to recover from i also find it's a term that is often used to describe a whole range of different conditions isn't it i think it's a very accessible term it's got slightly less stigma attached to it than say depression or psychosis or addiction or that people can sort of say oh i'm just feeling a little bit burnt out a bit more easily than they might say i'm feeling depressed at the moment and so often people will use the term but sort of slightly miss in the, in the wrong place almost like they'll mm. Maybe they'll say, you know, if I ask a room of 100 doctors to put their hand up, who here has felt burnt out, most people will put their hand up. Whereas if I say who here has felt depressed or anxious, or very few will put their hands up. And so I think there's something about the term that is helping us to talk about mental health struggles in a broader term. But it's almost like it has two meanings. Yeah. Kind I of think burnout syndrome, where it's mm -hmm. proper full on, you know, condition that people struggle with for months on end and takes time to recover from and then there's this kind of umbrella term of feeling a bit burnt out that yeah can often cover a whole range of different things like 
yeah depression anxiety stress life you know yes yeah yeah i think people can use it to mean just frazzled burning candle at both ends haven't had a sleep got too many plates spinning um rather than you know the more deeper seated mental changes that you can get with burnout that whole cognitive blunting the lack of empathy the cynicism the difficulty making decisions um on a more fundamental level and i found what i also needed to do was just cancel everything yes just cancel all these weekends because you you know often as medics we're we're in the healthcare sector you're like it's my free time i've got to make the most of it and i've got to see the people and do this and do that all these should should shoulds and you think it's going to be fun but actually when you get close to that time you're like oh it's actually quite a lot of work going to visit someone i've got to do all this packing or hosting i've got to buy all this stuff and those your downtimes are not actually recuperative and restorative and peaceful there is very little space in that there might be joy and fun and the silliness and there might be genuine human connection but you have to acknowledge that it may not be restful and peaceful and when you get home you've got all of the unpacking so mm. i think i've got much much better at saying no to things mm-hmm. appreciating space in my diary and mm. noticing if that those little feelings are coming back in where i'm thinking there are no gaps here and just going right i need to down tools yeah. create some space again and just dial back on all of my commitments and that's often me it's often not external it's me filling my diary up or going that sounds fun I should do that um but it's it, I think it's a hard thing to do when you've got commitments to turn around and go actually I, I don't think that's a great idea for me and put yourself first mm. um and that's that's taken me a while to get my head around really yeah, it takes practice, doesn't it? I thought I found it gets easier the more you do it, but it's hard. It's still hard sometimes, isn't it? To say no, and yeah. So, what would you say to a doctor out there that say is listening to this and thinking, "Oh, hang on, I can kind of yeah, I've not been feeling so great lately, or I'm not actually you know feeling empathy towards my patients as much as I used to," or or, or identifying with anything we've talked about today? What what would you say to them? Mm. Well, I'd say what you're feeling is valid, so valid, and that if it is persistent, you know, we all get bad days. Mm. If it's persistent, I really want you to speak to somebody else who isn't you. Mm. Don't try and work out for yourself what's going on. Go and see either your GP or self-referred to practitioner health. The BMA have got quite a good um, burnout questionnaire on one of its pages. So if you're trying to work out, if you tick any of those boxes, Mm. if you do, don't try to keep pushing on through. Yeah, yeah. Speak to somebody, yeah. Just get someone external and get them to, you know, that's the great thing is somebody else can show a mirror to you and say, this is where I think you're at and this is what I think you need. And then listen to them. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful advice. And are there any other resources you would recommend to doctors out there that might be struggling at the moment? Yeah, I think I think it's really important to connect to the whole person that you are. Mm. You know, I I think it really helped me to find things that I loved that weren't just about doctoring. You know, I'm really loving there's um 
How to Fail with Elizabeth Day is a wonderful podcast and she's got all sorts of different people on it and it's all about where people have gone wrong in life or had what they perceived as failures and how they've learned to succeed despite or because of that and she's got some really fantastic people on it. There was one with Julia Samuel, a fantastic psychologist recently about bereavement. There's a particularly good one with Mo Gaudat that was just um, in the middle of the pandemic lockdown. Um, And he's another great one, another resource. He's um, a chap who used to work for Google and his son Ali died from planned surgery and it led him to a really deep depression. And despite that, or because of that, Mm. he's got this mission to make a billion people happy. So he's got this fantastic book called Soul for Happy. And it's just in terms of looking at life and balance things up. And he's got a very good podcast as well. Really interesting people. So I think... Wonderful. We'll put the links to both of those in the show notes for people if they're interested, because they sound amazing. Thank you for sharing those. And how can people get in touch with you, Sarah, if they Mm. want to hear more from you or perhaps work with you or follow what you're doing? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am omnipresent as at Dr. Sarah Golding and the Golding has a U in it. Uh Um, And that's at Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, but I'm not on there as much, but my website is drsarahgolding.com and my email is hello at drsarahgolding.com. So please do feel free to get in touch. Wonderful. And we'll put all of those links as well in the show notes for people as well, if they do want to get in touch with you. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and for sharing your story so openly with us and for exploring, starting to explore, I will say, the topic of burnout. We could have talked for hours and I wonder if you would come back one day and perhaps we could explore some more of the themes that have come up. Absolutely. I'm just so happy that we're doing something like this because I would love that if even one person who might be feeling like I did hears this and takes that on board, then that's fantastic. Yeah, and I'm sure they will. Thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast, um, one of our special editions about uh, the COVID pandemic and how we can support ourselves as doctors through this um, challenging time. Please, if this podcast has helped you at all or you think it might help others, please do share it um, far and wide. We want to try and reach and help as many doctors as we possibly can to get through um, this time together. We are going to get through this together. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.